the event center before, so it is really cool to be here. Thank you. Um, and yeah, what an amazing morning so far. Oh, and to all the parents, I just want to say congratulations, you have made it, and I hope that all of you have kids going back to school tomorrow. I suppose the ones that don't probably aren't here, so well done to all of you. And talking about kids, I want to start this morning with a story about my daughter Isla. So I've got a four-year-old son called Levi and a two-year-old daughter called Isla. Uh, So she's coming off on three in a couple of months, but this story happened when she was one. So we had just gotten out of the car, we were in a car park, and we asked Isla to hold someone's hand, a reasonable request. And by someone, I meant Jono, my husband, or myself. But Isla had another idea, and she clasped her hands together like this, and she started to march herself through the car park with complete independence and innocence, thinking that this was the perfect solution. And and, uh, to be fair, we didn't specify, so I thought it was quite creative, quite clever. But the story makes me smile, thinking of this little, independent one-year-old who had it all figured out. But it reminds me so much of us. How often do we like to march along, in control, independent, thinking that we have it all figured out? God is right there. He is asking us to hold his hand, to let him lead us and guide us. But so often, we like to be our own leader. We want to take matters into our own hands. We like to think that we know best, so we want to set the path that we are going to walk. And this is all if you're anything like me, of course. But I think it is in our human nature to want to have control. And in fact, we can go all the way back to Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. God had provided for them everything, everything they could ever want or need, They got to walk with God. They got to talk with God and live in relationship with him. He had given them everything, but yet they still took matters into their own hands and they disobeyed God. They disregarded what he had said and they went in their own direction, which we all know didn't turn out too well for them or us. (laughs) So today I want to talk about what it looks like to follow God to be led by him and not by ourselves. Because the reality is we are all following something. And it could be God. And I know that that is our intention, to be lifelong, wholehearted followers of Jesus. But other things can so easily creep in and try to take that top spot. Things like ourselves or power, money, influence, control. And these things are not necessarily terrible, some of them maybe are, but they are not designed to hold our hearts captive. They are not designed to be at the forefront of our minds, and they are not designed to be our leader. But if we allow these things to take center stage, to be our number one priority, they are going to determine the path that we are going to walk. They become our new leader, even if we may not realize it at first. So when we make decisions, when we set priorities, what we are following determines the path that we are on. Or another way of putting it from Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we invest in, what we hold value in, what we pursue will be where our hearts are. So if I desired comfort, for example, I would follow after things that help me to feel safe. 
So I might pursue friendships that aren't challenging to me because if I have someone that challenges me, I might feel uncomfortable. Or I might not have the courage to step out in faith, even if I have the confidence that God has called me, because I might be worried about someone's reaction and how that might make me feel. Even if there was a wide open door of opportunity in front of me to talk about Jesus, I might not take it because I'm scared of someone's opinion of me and feeling uncomfortable. But living as a follower of Jesus is not always comfortable. It is not always convenient. And in fact, I have experienced that it can be very uncomfortable and very inconvenient to follow Jesus. Anyone else experienced that before? Yep, part of the the call, I'm afraid. (laughs) But it is in those moments that I am so especially thankful for God's leadership. I am thankful that I can lean on him and his wisdom rather than just relying on myself and what I can do in my own strength. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed some things that start to creep into my life when I am just leading myself and relying on myself. In no particular order, it includes lack of confidence, overconfidence, pride, false humility, lack of awareness of God's voice, overlooking others' needs, self-centeredness, sin, earthly wisdom, self-reliance. What a list. See, God's leadership is not something to tolerate. God's leadership is not something that we suffer through or that we reluctantly come under because we know it's the right thing. God's leadership is a gift. It is something to desire. It is something to embrace because God's leadership lights our path. God's leadership leads us into wide open spaces and it shows us a freedom and a joy and a peace that we could never experience if we remained our own leader. Holding God's hand is not a punishment for running out into the car park. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? But it's not. Holding his hand and being led by him is the single greatest, most undeserved privilege that we could ever experience. And as we're led by God and as we live with the Holy Spirit in us, we also get to look at the life of Jesus and see the ultimate follower. And of course, we all know that God, uh, Jesus sorry, was an incredible leader. In fact, I'd say he reframed leadership by showing us what it looks like to lead with compassion and wisdom and grace, to live and lead as a servant leader. He was humble. He showed value to everybody. But he also knew how to live his life following and relying on God. In John 5 verse 19, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And this is what it means to follow God wholeheartedly. Jesus lived with total dependence on God. He lived his life doing what he saw his father do, pursuing what his father pursued, and valuing what his father valued. And Jesus is both God and man, and he is showing us here through his humanity what it looks like to live a life that is dependent on God. And he is teaching us how to follow his lead and live in the same way. 
And if even Jesus, the Son of God himself, needed to live his life depending and relying on and following God with everything in every situation, how much more do we need to do the same? A lot more. And one of the main ways that Jesus shows us how to stay aligned with God and follow his lead is through prayer. Jesus prioritized prayer. And we can see this through the Gospels, that prayer was incredibly important to Jesus. He often withdrew in solitude to pray, sometimes very early in the morning. Who knows, that would be a challenge for some of us. But he made it a priority because he valued that time where he could be alone with his Father in prayer, listening and speaking and seeking after God and God's will for his life. And we need to do the same. And I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying we can just wake up in the morning and be like, right, today's the day. I'm going to pray for four hours and I'm going to do this every single day forever. No, it's not easy, but it still needs to be a priority in our lives. It needs to be something that we are working towards. And this is me included because prayer keeps us aligned with God. It keeps us aligned with his will for our lives and his heart, not just for us, but for all of the people around us and this world. So when we pray, we're taking the focus off of ourselves and we're putting it back onto God. We're asking for his presence, for his intervention, for his provision in our lives. And alongside prayer, Jesus shows us another important aspect of following God, and that is pursuing our purpose. And Jesus tells us pretty clearly in John 12, verse 27 to 28, what his purpose was. He is speaking of his impending death on the cross, and he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And what a powerful passage of of Scripture this is. Because you can see the battle here between flesh and spirit. His humanity is quite understandably feeling uneasy. He has got just a mammoth event ahead of him. He said his soul is troubled, but yet, but yet, he pursued his purpose to die on the cross for us so that we could live in relationship with our God and know his love and know his freedom and his grace poured out in our lives every single day. He pursued his purpose despite the pain that it caused him for you and for me so that we could know the freedom of being under grace rather than under the law. He took our punishment upon himself And he carried his conviction to completion on that cross. And as God's followers, we can learn from Jesus what it looks like to pursue our purpose. Because we don't just see it in this one verse. We don't just see it in this one moment. But Jesus was always pursuing his purpose. He was always committed to seeking and saving the lost. And can I encourage you this morning, if you feel like you are lacking purpose, if you've been asking yourself, you know, what is my job here on on this planet? What am I here to do? What is God's calling on my life? I totally believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And sometimes it can take a while to figure it out. Sometimes we might feel like we're kind of wandering along, not really sure. But can I encourage you, if that is you this morning, you always have a purpose. 
And if all else is lost, there is Matthew, well, actually, no, not if all else is lost. This is a first resort. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Got to keep the phrasing right. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is our purpose, church. That is our purpose. So we can learn so much from the way that Jesus followed God while he was here on earth with humility and dependence and faith. And aren't you thankful that Jesus followed God's plan to completion? And as I look back at my life, I can see that God's plan has never failed me either. It has never let me down. Because we are better off when we follow him and his leadership. We find more purpose. We find more freedom. We find more peace. Following God's plan is always better than following our own. And I think sometimes we can convince ourselves that we somehow lose out when we decide to follow God with everything we have. So we feel that lack of control. We feel that fear and that vulnerability of not knowing what is around the corner. But the truth is, we don't know what is around the corner anyway. We want to hold on to this idea that we can be in control, that we can establish our path. But God holds our futures within our hands. So when we want to secure for ourselves joy and comfort in our future, I know I do, we are so much better off when we can place those desires of our hearts into his hands and trust that he is going to provide that for us. He knows what is around the corner and he has promised to be with us through it all. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, in their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we can make plans And we do make plans. We make them all the time. But when it comes to our path in life, when it comes to our deep purpose as human beings, God is asking us to follow his lead, to let him be in control, to let him be the leader of our lives, to hold out our hand and say, yes, you can lead me, you can guide me, good times and bad, victories and struggles, comfort and pain, you can be in control. And it's not easy for us to surrender. Surrender is not a comfortable word, and it is not a comfortable act. Surrender is vulnerable. Surrender exposes our hearts. To surrender is an act of faith that says, I am choosing to acknowledge with my whole heart and my whole life that God has won the victory. And on the battlefield, surrendering is to yield to another power or control. It is to stop resisting or stop fighting and submit to an authority. Surrender on the battlefield generally means a loss. It means you've assessed the situation and have come to the conclusion that you are not on the winning side. But when we surrender, when we yield our power or our control over to God, when we stop resisting and when we come under his authority, we can know that this is our victory too. We get to share in this victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. So when we surrender, we are not losing. We are not giving up. We are not letting go of our power and control. We are simply saying, God, we recognize that this is our victory too, that Jesus won the victory for me and he won it for you. Because he is for us. He is not against us. So through this 
uh, through our surrender, we can share in this victory. We can put our trust back in God. Romans 6 verse 11 to 14 shows us what it looks like to be under the leadership of God through accepting the salvation that he brought for us on the cross. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness because you are under grace. This is why we can surrender. This is why we can trust wholeheartedly that God is worth following because he is the one that brought us from death to life. He is the one that saved our souls. He redeemed us when Jesus died that death on the cross for us so that we could be in relationship with him. We couldn't do that. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't redeem ourselves. Only God could do that. But he didn't stop there. He didn't just save us. He didn't just redeem us, even though those were acts of indescribable, undeserved mercy. He then asks us to offer ourselves back to him as a living sacrifice. He asks us to be under his leadership and his care. And just think about that for a moment. How incredible is that? That the God of the universe, the most powerful being in all of creation, the one who created everything, wants you to be under his leadership. He wants you to be under his care. He wants to have you under his wings like a mother hen. He wants to look after you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you through the best possible path that he has for your life. Isn't that incredible? And... There's more. He wants to use you as an instrument of righteousness. Through relationship with Jesus, God has changed our status to righteous. The Bible says that when we accept Jesus, we become a new creation and we become the righteousness of God. But God wants our righteousness to go beyond just our status. It is great that we are now righteous. That is wonderful news. But that verse back in Romans 6, verse 13, says to offer every part of ourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what does that mean? What is that telling us? It's telling us that we are not meant to just sit in a cozy little bubble of righteousness knowing that we are okay, that our eternity is secure, that God and me are fine, so I don't need to worry about anyone else. No, no. We are to offer up everything that we have, every part of our lives, to be used as an instrument of righteousness for him, for the glory of God, to be his hands and feet, to show love and compassion to people, to pray for people, to disciple people, to baptize people, to teach people, and to point people to Jesus always. Worship team, you can come up and join me. I started today with that story of Isla, holding her own hand, 
marching through the car park with that fierce independence. And I don't know if you can see a little bit of yourself in that image. I know I can see a little bit of me, probably because she's my daughter as well. (laughs) But here's the thing. We so desperately want to know that things are going to turn out okay, don't we? And I think especially right now, this world that we live in, with COVID and petrol and food prices and all these other things, and that's not even tapping into all of our own personal giants that we are facing in our own lives. We want to know that things are going to be okay. And I think that is a part of what drives us to want to take matters into our own hands, to be the leader of our own story. But I want to remind you today that we have hope in Jesus. And hope is more than just a pretty little word that makes us feel nice for a few minutes until we go and check stuff again or we go to the supermarket and see that the prices have increased yet again and we wonder what we're going to do this week. Hope is more than that. Hope is real and hope is tangible and hope is what we have in our hearts and in our lives as followers of Jesus. That is what we have. So can I encourage you, tap into that hope this morning and remind yourself that you have it. And sure, it might be buried a little bit too deep down this morning. There might be some debris in the way. But it is my prayer this morning that as we worship in a couple of minutes, that you will find and experience that hope again, that hope that is real, that hope that is tangible, that hope that can change not only your own life, not only your own perspective, but it can change the lives of the people around you. This hope is the perfect thing to counteract our fear of the unknown our desire to have all of our plans come to pass. Our futures, our paths, and our lives are in safe hands today and every day. God shows himself as faithful again and again. And while we may not always understand God's plan, it is being outworked in and through our lives. I know for sure that we can trust in him. I know for sure that he is worth following, that he is worth our surrender. I know that we can hold on to hope through every season of life, knowing that God is good. And it is not easy to hand over the reins, but trust that God has called you by name. And as you trust in him, as Ephesians says, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And church, would you stand with me this morning if you're able? As we come to the end, I would love to give you an opportunity today to give your life to Jesus. You might have never made a decision to follow Jesus before, or maybe you have, but you know that as you've been listening today, that you are very much walking your own path. You are not following God. You are not relying and leaning and depending on Him. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can just read along in your heart. There's no need to raise your hand or come up the front or anything. This is a moment between you and God. So let's pray. If every eye could be closed and every head bowed. Dear God, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin and my mistakes. Today, I give my life to you. 
I turn from my old ways and accept that I am a new creation in you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I choose to follow you and your path for my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I am so happy for you. What an amazing decision. Can I just encourage you, let somebody know, whether that's Dave or anyone of the team, or maybe you came along with someone this morning, if you could just let them know. And we have some resources that we would love to give you just to help you along your journey. So make sure you have a chat to somebody if that was you. And everybody, we're going to go into a song now called Available. And can I just encourage you, this could be another song, or this could be a moment between you and the Holy Spirit where you make yourself available to hear His voice, where you make yourself available to hear what He has to say to you this morning, to you as His child who is dearly loved and fully and wholly known by Him. So let's take a moment, let's push in. Let's not just let another song pass us by, but let's make ourselves available and push in and surrender to Him this morning. We thank you, Lord. God, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to come now and touch every heart and touch every life. And Lord, we just give you all of our praise. We give you all of our worship and we give you all of our surrender this morning. In your mighty name, amen. Let's sing.